So who is the Holy Spirit? If I was to ask you this question, who is the Holy Spirit? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? What's that? God? Good. Anyone else? Sorry? He's a comforter. Yes. Yes. Anything else? Anyone else? He is God with us. Yes. All right. Well, for a long time, um, the body of Christ and churches in general um, have ignored the person of the Holy Spirit or have misunderstood him or have even resisted him. Um, And um, the reason, there are many reasons behind this, but if you understand who he is and the role he plays in our lives, you will realize that the Holy Spirit, he is a very, very important person in how a church should run and how a believer should live their life. His influence on our lives is absolutely crucial if we are to develop as believers the way we're supposed to. He's not a modern-day phenomena or a 21st century um, concept. He's been around uh, for as long as God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ have been. In other words, he's always been there because he is within the Godhead, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see in the scriptures that he was involved in creation. He was involved in creation in that he brought order out of chaos. So in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the scripture says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God the Father created the world and created this earth through our Lord Jesus Christ by the agency of the Holy Spirit. He, as we see in these scriptures, was hovering over the chaos, the darkness, and the waters, and waiting to act on what God said. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit continues to do that today. He watches over the chaos in our lives, over the conflicts, the waters that's going on. He's hovering over our lives, waiting for what God is going to say. Because he is the one who enforces the word of God in our lives and in creation. So when God said, let there be light, it was the Holy Spirit who brought the light. He is the one who activates or puts to work what the Word of God says. And also, we see that in the Bible, he was the one who gave life to man. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says that, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So when God breathed into him, he breathed himself into him. In fact, in the Hebrew, when it says he breathed the breath of life, it's literally a plural, the breath of lives. So he brought, the Holy Spirit brought the spirit life, the soulical life, and the physical life into man. 
We also see his works throughout the scriptures in how he empowered individuals for specific tasks under the Old Testament. So we find that he anointed or empowered Bezalel for artistic work. In Exodus 31, 1 to 5, God said that he had chosen Bezalel for certain kinds of work and had put in him, filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. We see that he empowered Gideon for leadership in Judges chapter 6, verses 14 to 16, we see that the, the, um, the angel said, the Lord said to um, Gideon, he said, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Um, and it was as the Holy Spirit empowered Gideon, who at the time when he met the Lord, thought that he was not able to do anything. But it was when the Holy Spirit empowered him that he had the ability to lead the nation of Israel as a judge and defeat their enemies. Also, we see in the Old Testament that he anointed or empowered Samson with supernatural strength. Now, at times when you see um, these um, films with Samson, he tends to be very muscly, very big, very strong with his long locks. But actually, the reality is that he was a very skinny guy. Imagine a dread. Have you ever seen like a dread, a very skinny dread? You know, you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it, was, it would have looked like that. Probably even skin tone as well. It would have looked like that. Um, very skinny guy who was very, the wind could blow him. That's how he looked. Until the Holy Spirit anointed him. And we see that um, in Judges chapter 15, verse 14, it says, when Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the robes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. Now, it's interesting. They have tied Samson up. And, you know, people think that, oh, he could have easily broken it. No, he couldn't. He was, he was bound up by those flaxes, those ropes that had bound him up. But when he saw his enemies, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and anointed him in such a way that he could break free. And as you see in the Old Testament, there is a picture of it in the New. In that for us, in the New Testament, can you help him out? I don't want Levi doing that. In the New Testament... In the New Testament, you find that for us now, it's not a case of physical ropes. It's spiritual ropes. In our lives, you will find that sometimes there are things that are binding us. And in our own self, we can't set ourselves free. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he gives us a strength to do what we can't do. And I've, 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 even in my own personal life as a, as a pastor, I've discovered this secret that in my own strength, many times I am powerless. And so I have learned to wait on the Holy Spirit until he gives me the strength to be able to do things that I can't normally do. 
And then we find that he anointed Isaiah for ministry in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 3, which really was a picture of Jesus. But Isaiah was also declaring what had happened to him. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me or empowered me to preach the good news, good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and so forth. So the Holy Spirit anointed Isaiah to supernatural ministry. And uh, this is under the Old Testament. But his activities were limited to a few special people in the Old Testament. So it wasn't everybody who could access that anointing for supernatural strength or that anointing for supernatural ministry or that anointing for supernatural leadership or that anointing for supernatural artistic work. And by the way, he can anoint supernaturally for anything. Whether it's a medical doctor, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a teacher, he can anoint you supernaturally for anything. But in the Old Testament, it was limited to a few people. But he was also promised throughout the Old Testament by the Father, he was promised um, by the Father, or rather, let me put it like this, he was the promise of the Father of something new, of something new. So, for instance, you find in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34, the prophet says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And it will be, and sorry, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None shall, no, sorry, no more shall, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now what, the, what God was saying through the prophet is this. There's going to come a day when people will no longer be forced or really stirred up by others to know him. But people of their own inclination will want to know him. And of their own desire will want to seek after him. And he says he, he will do it in a way that he will write his laws on their heart. So in that way, intuitively, people will know what is right and what is wrong. And that they won't need somebody to tell them, no, you ain't supposed to be doing that. Because the law of God is written in their heart. So how was God going to do this amazing thing? What you find in Ezekiel 36, 27 and 20, um, 26 and 27, how God was going to do it. He says he was going to put his spirit in them. In verse 26 it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Now when he says, I will take away... Um, uh, uh, take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What he's saying is that 
I will remove from you your own self-will, your own stubbornness, your own ways. And that heart of stone is set. I ain't going to bend. And I'll put in your heart of flesh. That is a heart that is soft, a heart that is compassionate, a heart that is easily moved, easily molded, easily moved towards um, God's heart and God's will. And the way he was going to do it was he'll put his spirit in them. He will put his spirit in them. The Holy Spirit, when he puts his spirit in them, will cause their heart to change, become easily moved, become not so stubborn anymore. It's not so much, it's my will, not in my, no. But they're easily persuaded to do the right thing. Isn't that beautiful? And then you also see um, the impact what God promised about the Holy Spirit was his impact, that when he comes upon his people, certain things will happen. You see this beautifully pictured in the river of um, life in Ezekiel 47. And uh, verses 7 to 9 in particular shows you his impact. He says, when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side of the one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water, which was a picture of the Holy Spirit, flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Now the sea is salty, but when this river hits the sea, its waters are healed. The sea speaks of humanity, the Bible says in one place. And in other words, when the Holy Spirit touches salty humanity, humanity that is unpalatable to God, when the Holy Spirit touches them, he heals them. He says, and it shall be that every living, every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. That's an interesting phrase. Every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. In other words, you can have movement and still be dead. And when he comes there, wherever there, wherever there is just death, he brings life. Wonderful. He says, and, and, and uh, there will be a very great multitude of fish, a picture of Harvest, um, sowing and harvest, because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. So we see the impact of the Holy Spirit, that as he begins to be released into the community, into the world, healing is taking place, salvation is taking place, lives are being restored. Why? Because he's supernatural. And this is his, the promise that God gave. And then the other thing was that the promise was this, that God will give his spirit to everyone. It would be to everyone, not just to the select few. In Joel chapter 2, 28, he says, and it shall come to pass afterward in those days that I will pour out, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams upon my handmaidens, upon my men servants, sorry, and upon my handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. In other words, it will be on everybody. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter the experience. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter whether they're sold out for God, that's men servants and maid servants, or whether they're just children in the faith. Everyone is going to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they will experience the supernatural overflow. Sons and daughters prophesy, young men see visions, old men dream dreams. Everyone experience the prophetic power of God because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, these prophecies about him remained unfulfilled for hundreds of years. In fact, the last prophetic utterance before Jesus appeared was 400 years through the prophet Malachi. For hundreds of years, there was silence. I wonder what we do when God is silent. You know, sometimes when God is silent for a few weeks, we think maybe God, what we had wasn't true. When he's silent for a few months, ah, what's happening? A few years, nah, it can't be real. This is 400 years. 400 years. The Maccabee Wars had happened. Antiochus Epiphanes, all these mad people had ruled. It was like there was no God anymore. It was like there was no God. The world was, the Antichrist spirit was dominant in the Middle East. There was like no God, no prophetic voice anymore. And the righteous people, the Maccabees and stuff, they're trying, but there's no prophetic voice to back them up. Back in the days of old with David, he had Nathan, he had God, he had these guys. These guys had nobody. All they had was the Bible. And they stood against tyranny and so forth. But there was silence. And then there's the coming of our Lord Jesus. And the coming of our Lord Jesus brought a great flurry of spiritual activity. Several people connected with the birth of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a very interesting point. Anytime you connect to something that Jesus is doing, it allows you a greater access to the overflow of the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist was one of these who was to prepare the way for Jesus. So even in his womb, Luke 1.15, he says that the, the angel said that he will, be, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb because his ministry was to reveal Jesus, was to point Jesus out. And I submit to you that anyone who is interested in pointing Jesus out will experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit in a, great, a greater way. Also, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she who carried Jesus in her womb. Luke 1.35, when she asked the angel, how is this going to happen? How am I going to conceive a have a child in my womb? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God because he is the Son of God. In other words, because she was going to carry Messiah, she needed the Holy Spirit to make it happen. And anything that Jesus wants you to carry for him, or anything of Jesus that you're carrying, you're going to need the Holy It's the Holy Spirit who impregnates that in your spirit. It's not something of your own mind. It may feel like it's your own mind. It may look natural, because Mary's pregnancy looked natural. But the Holy Spirit is the one who impregnated it. So treasure those things that God gives to you that are precious because it came from the Holy Spirit. And then Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, when she recognized who Mary was and who Jesus was, now by the way, she was a cousin to Mary. So John the Baptist and Jesus were actually naturally cousins. But when Mary, because of what Mary was carrying, when she saw Mary, not, not saw, when she heard Mary's voice, John the Baptist in her womb responded and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and began to prophesy. And then you have Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who once he was able to, um, to recognize John the Baptist for who he was in faith, in Luke 1.67, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he also prophesied. And then there was Simeon, who was promised by the Father or by the Holy Spirit that he would, he would see Jesus before he died waited and waited and waited. And when he recognized Jesus as a babe brought to the temple, he also was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. Now, all these people, because of their connection to Jesus, were able to experience the Holy Spirit. But it was John the Baptist that linked the Holy Spirit with our Lord Jesus in an unprecedented manner. In Luke 3, 16, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means he will overwhelm you. He will drench you. That word baptize is to immerse something. So when a boat sinks, it's been baptized. When, yeah. Because the word baptized, that's why it's ridiculous when people are, have water put on their forehead and they call it baptism. No, you're supposed to be dunked in. It's like to saying, I, I immerse you in water and then you put it on their forehead. It, it doesn't make sense. It's, you're supposed to immerse them. But Jesus was going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and also with fire. He himself, our Lord Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit during his earthly life. Now, again, you have these stories where in some of the some religions, they say Jesus was was forming birds when he was an infant and all of that stuff. That's not biblical. Our Lord Jesus did not perform any miracles until after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, in Luke three twenty two, we see that the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove, and God the, God the Father's voice was heard saying, "This is my saying, you are my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. Now, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he did not exhibit the power of the Holy Spirit until after he spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness fasting. There's a, there's a reason for that. He was, a, he, so you could, put, you could say it like this, as a spirit-filled man, he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. As a man with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, he also experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we see how the power of the Spirit was exhibited so powerfully and wonderfully through our Lord's ministry of all kinds of amazing things happening. But then our Lord predicts the Holy Spirit's presence. In John 7, 37 and 38, the scripture says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being will flow, or out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And you find that our Lord instructed the disciples to wait in Jerusalem 
until they were clothed with power from an eye in reference to the Holy Spirit before they went out to proclaim that he was alive. He said to them, I'm sending you the promise of my father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. And then he fulfilled this promise on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4, the Bible says, and when they were assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for that promise. So in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse, sorry, Acts chapter 1 I've read there. In Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in, in one place and in one accord. And it says, suddenly, there came the sound like a rushing mighty wind, like a, a, tornado, a, a hurricane, a tropical wind, rainforest. Filled the house where they were. And they were all filled. And they appeared, sorry, before on, on them, cloven tongues like fire. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So our Lord fulfills this promise on the day of Pentecost. And then we find also that Peter announces that this promise of the Holy Spirit that they had experienced is now available to everyone. In Acts chapter 2, 37 to 41, he says, when Peter, after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, people are saying, what's going on here? These guys are drunk. What's happening here? And all of that. Peter stood up and said, no, no, no. These guys are not drunk like you think. It's only 9 o'clock. He said, this is what Joel prophesied. God said, in the last day, says God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams, etc. And when Peter preached this, they were cut to the heart. Because they realized, and he said, you know, listen, you killed Jesus, and etc. Da, 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 da. But, you know, that's all part of God's plan. So they said, man and brethren, what, what shall we do? And then Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then look at the next verse. It says, for the promise is to you and to your children and your children's children, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise that they had experienced of the blessed Holy Spirit was for everyone. That includes you and includes me. So from the day of Pentecost, the disciples once filled with the Holy Spirit experienced three things. One, they received a new language, a new language. We'll touch on that uh, later on. Secondly, they received a new boldness, new confidence and boldness. And thirdly, they re received new power, new power, supernatural power. And we as believers now live in the age of the Holy Spirit. And God has promised the same thing to everyone, to everyone. And so we're going to pause there and then we're going to go into our groups. Oh, we're not going to get into our groups. I beg your pardon. And then we're going to hand over to Lindsay. But I tell you what, why don't we just pray before we hand over to Lindsay? You know, so, you know, what a wonderful truth that we have about the blessed Holy Spirit. 
So I want you right now just to um, just agree with me as I pray that throughout today, the Father will allow you to have that experience with the Holy Spirit like never before. That's all of us here. Father, so we thank you for your word and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we ask that throughout today, all of us will have a fresh understanding and a fresh revelation and a fresh experience of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right, so now we're going to have our uh, coffee break, tea break. Uh, we've got some refreshments. If you